Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Offscript Podcast. Eric, we're back for one final episode of Game of Thrones coming out this week, but we're here to recap the previous episode, which is a bit controversial. Um, overall, are you happy with this season of Game of Thrones? You know, I'd say I'm just I'm glad. Well, it's bittersweet. I'm glad that we've seen some really awesome battles, and we've seen some good conclusions to a lot of these character relationships, story arcs. Uh, but there, there, I would be lying if I didn't say that there was something I would have done differently. <laughs> Fair enough. I think that's how a lot of the fandom feels. Guys, you can all agree with us, disagree, that's fine. But yeah, there, there's a bit of a lack of wanting still. Uh, we, we always talk about how much we love season six. At the end of season six, I was so excited. I'm like, all right, you know, it's, it's very good this season. We're back to high quality standards from the show. And seven and eight have been a little bit of a disappointment. And that's okay, but still kind of upset. So, uh, Eric, let's just jump right on in. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Of course, make sure to listen to all the other great podcasts we have. We had uh, Derek Hamby was a guest. Guys, so knowledgeable about the MCU. Make sure to listen to that last podcast where we talk about the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, kind of where we go after Spider-Man Homecoming and beyond. Uh, And then also make sure to check out our different articles on offscriptonline.com. So thank you guys for listening today, and let's get going. Thank you once again for joining us today. Man, there is so much to break down. I know a lot of people are somewhat upset about this last episode. My mom called me. She doesn't even, she's already said, like, I don't know a lot about Game of Thrones, except kind of what you tell me and what I see. She's like, and that was a very disappointing episode. However, I want to get your opening thoughts because we did like some parts of it a lot. So what were your opening thoughts on the episode and what stood out to you? Yeah. Opening thoughts, I'm so impressed with the CGI and the music and just cinematically, I'm so impressed with how they did this episode. I mean, granted, it was a bloodbath. There's no way to to describe this episode except just you had just sheer unfiltered carnage. Just by land, by sea, uh, but the music was was very well done um, and especially in... Uh, contrasting with the uh, the third episode in the season where you had the Battle of Winterfell, everyone complained, a lot of people complained about the lighting. Of course, you couldn't see the first 20 minutes of the battle because it was too dark, but that really gave a sense of that, granted, you're facing death. You shouldn't have light. Of course, it's going to be dark out. Um, whereas this, this is, you have broad daylight, great visuals, you think one army is about to destroy the other, and it's just going to be awesome. But we can clearly see that they just enhance the fact that Danny is just a conqueror. She says, I'm tired of playing around. Um, and so they really, the story that they wanted to tell in this episode, I think the way the way that they did it and the, the visuals and the effects really helped them tell it well. I was talking to my college roommate, A-Rod, about this episode, and he phrased it really well. He said 
if you watched season six and then were knocked out and put in a coma and woke up on Sunday and the first thing you were able to watch is Game of Thrones and watch the episode, you would have been so impressed by everything that happened. He's like, however... That's a great point. Right? Like, if you don't know a lot going in, you're like, wow, that's a great episode. Even we, I mean, we know a lot going in and I still thought it was a good episode. But he points out if you go back and look at it, of all the other episodes, the buildup isn't great. So to go more on the positive side, though, I love the visuals. Everything about those made, were, I mean, they were just so incredible. Uh, how far we've come since season one when Ned gets beheaded, right? And uh-huh. now we're at a place where we finally get Clegane Bowl, and I will say it lived up to the hype. It was really awesome. We got to see the mountain look like Darth Vader with his helmet off. yeah. That was cool. Um, And then the poor hound, I mean, basically stabs him in the eye. And that doesn't work. So then he has to tackle him and ends up falling into fire, which is essentially how he always... I mean, he always wanted to avoid fire, and it's kind of crazy. That's how his story ends. But yeah, the Game Bowl was awesome, and especially how they intercut it with Arya going back through uh, the... City running from Daenerys, and we're going to touch on Arya a bit later, but uh, yeah, a lot to like in this episode for the most part. Uh, you know, good amount to dislike too. We'll definitely cover all that, but Eric, anything else you want to just touch on, and, or do you want to jump right into the characters? Well, only other thing that I think we'll just talk about and then uh, probably not mention again, but let's not forget just how. I don't know, ungloriously, if there's a word for it, that Varys goes out. I mean, talk about a guy that's so, uh, like, he just, it's like he exists in the shadows. You know, his birds are there, the children just in the shadows, and he's underlying, like, maneuvering. He's almost, he's like Peter Baelish, except he's doing everything for good, supposedly. And, man, you know, it's like you just, it's like Danny just plucked him out like he, you know, took a fly swatter and just smacked him. Oh, also, I, mean, I want to, like, because I, I agree with you, and I, I, I'm going to touch on Varys, I think, a little bit later. But yes, man, 100% love everything you said there. Because Varys ends up set, tell, like, looking at Tyrion saying, I, I'm, I'm okay with you ratting me out. I expected it, right? Um, I just hope I'm wrong. And it's like, ooh, right. that's ominous. I want to give yep. a shout-out to my boy Kyburn who wasn't even a maester, according to Pycelle. And then he sticks by Cersei the whole time, just to end up getting pummeled by the mountain and shoved into a rock and murdered. Yep. <laughs> I mean, who had, who had, a, uh, who had a, you know, just a worse, or just more of a, a really, yeah, the Kyburn or Beric? Like, that's why you came back? Yeah, you know, in all fairness to Kyburn, Kyburn should have died, and then Rob and Talisa were generous to him, and were like, hey, you know what, we're going to save you. And it turns out they just gave Cersei a hand who created Big Crossbow. Uh, so, well done. Well done, Rob. Another great job by you. But yeah. Yeah. Kyburn, dead at the hands of his own monster, Frankenstein, all that good stuff, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Varys is out, Kyburn's out. That leaves one hand remaining, well, two hands remaining. Uh, Davos and um, Tyrion, sorry. So 
let's actually, if you're good, Eric, um, I want to jump right into the character arcs. So uh, you want to just start off? So guys, we're going to do it a little differently. As Eric said, we have just a lot of carnage. Not a ton of dialogue goes on in this episode. Uh, So we're actually going to focus mainly on about six characters who are prominent in this episode and just kind of review their arcs and how they got here and then what we see from their reactions, especially with only one episode left. Uh, So, Eric, I know you're going to start first. You want to go ahead? Let's do it. Uh, So first character we're going to talk about is Cersei. And we've all seen she pretty much for the entire, most of the series been public enemy number one. Uh, with only here and there getting that position, uh, you know, temporarily taken by her son or her dad or, uh, you know, Ramsey Bolton at the end. Uh, but just through the whole series of despite her, her incest, her, uh, her plot to kill, you know, to kill her husband, uh, you know, just not being able to rein in her child and just, just all the way. I mean, even killing the Tyrell, killing off their name, just really going crazy. Like the one, the one redeeming quality that we've been we've been spoon fed for years is that she cared for her children, and that was the one thing. Um, and at the you know at the end, it's what was interesting about this episode is that we've thought of her as a villain for years and years and years, and you know especially comparing to how Jamie has grown and Tyrion has grown and just all these other characters, and yet. Here they they try to use the fact that she supposedly has a kid uh, is carrying Jamie's child and now becomes a sympathetic figure and you know slowly it's like the the lines just her exterior just starts to crack and she really goes from a powerful uh, you know figure to just you know eventually having to get over being in denial and it's like the only thing she can do is just cry in Jamie's arms at the end like a little child. Very true. I, I'll say I'm frustrated with Cersei's arc in the sense of, I, I mean, you had it perfectly, Eric. I mean, starting in season one, she essentially is the reason Ned dies. Um, yep. You know, we see her, you know, look just so happy when any enemy of hers is murdered. Uh, Joffrey's death, she's delirious and wants Tyrion dead so badly that she'll do anything to get that to happen, right? And, we, we do get a, a lot of interesting uh, character arcs with her and, like you said, with her children up and through the season six finale when she blows the Tyrells and the Sparrows up and it leads to Tommen's death. Yep. And for some reason, we're still spoon-fed, as you said, that she cares about her children, yet this, uh, you know, this episode, she jumps back into that of, oh, like, I want my baby to live, I want my baby to live. Cersei, your own son died and you didn't care. Yeah. I mean, the only way, the only way that you can spell that is that even, I mean, even with, you know, Joffrey, she recognized she lost control over him, but she still loved him, even though she recognized he was a monster. The only thing you could say about Tommen is that she might have thought that she had truly lost him to... The, the high sparrow, you know, to the to the religious folk. That and that's very Absolutely. true, very true. However, it, it just seemed a strange choice to make here. Uh, she gets to die in the arms of Jamie. My favorite line from her this episode is, "Jamie, you're bleeding." 
Well, Cersei, you sent Bronn to kill him. Right. <laughs> like, what, I mean, what were you... Were you expecting him to just to fail? I, I don't understand. Um... Uh, Good, good character. One acting wise, um, Lena, I believe it's uh, Headley. I, I can't pronounce it exactly, but she's fantastic. Perfectly, I thought portrayed the character. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, Eric, but like she was, and the acting as a whole has been great from everyone. Uh, it's not their fault; their characters do dumb stuff. However, oh with- yeah, the worst. Mm-hmm. I I think the worst. The, well, the two worst acting jobs in this whole thing are both dark children, Bran and John. Yeah, you know, Kit Harrington at times is really, really good, and other times is, and I don't know, I don't really blame him. It's more of John's stoic and doesn't have a lot of emotion. Uh, yeah. Br- yeah, Bran, I don't even know what they've decided to do with him. That's probably going to be next episode where we talk about him, but uh, yes. Yeah. So also there was Cersei. I love how arrogant she is until the end. I mean, she sees this yep. dragon going around m- obliterating the entire city. And she's like, the red keeps never falling. Well, you know, get Euron. All we need is one good shot. Yeah, the scorpions are out. We'll find Euron. Yeah, the, the his whole navy's done. Like, the fleet's gone. Okay, well. Yeah, it's like, she's, it's like she's been watching just a long line of dominoes falling one after the other, just in a huge, long zigzag. And she's like, oh. They were set up wrong. They're not going to make it all the way down. They're not going to all fall. And, yeah, and it's like she just she just refuses to believe that she can lose until she's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm dying. No, I completely, completely agree. Uh, yeah, so a lot to go on, a lot to go from there. Um, all right, let's take a look at... The next character, I, I think I just want to jump more into like more and more of the Lannisters because this all ends. I mean, with essentially Tyrion being the tallest Lannister left. Oof, oof, that's a low blow. You like that? I do, I do. He doesn't have to make tall jokes anymore. He's the tall, the only only one left, only tall one. <laughs> this is so true. Oh, so true. Um, all right, but for real, let's jump into Tyrion. Man, Tyrion's arc has been bizarre. I I really love Tyrion, and this is, I think, the hardest character to stomach. Tyrion, as me and you have discussed, Eric, season two, Tyrion's awesome. We, we love his whole arc. George has already admitted that he loves writing Tyrion chapters. The book, it strays a little, and the fifth one especially, but, man, his whole quest of redemption in the show, in my opinion, is actually handled very well. Where he gets back in favor with Daenerys. She agrees to let him be the hand. Uh, and, he, and he kind of earns it, right? And then we see Tyrion go and the last two seasons really make a mockery of Daenerys's army strength, the dragons. I mean, his every plan he comes up with is a terrible plan. And he both, if there's anybody, I don't know how it's possible to both underestimate and overestimate the strength of your army, but Tyrion does that repeatedly. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, he told Kyburn in the last episode, he says, we don't want to see all these people die. And Kyburn's like, oh, it's unpleasant. Like, oh, we have a shot. 
And Tyrion's kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you understand how this is going to end if you want it to go, right? And we yep. saw in this episode exactly what that was with a total annihilation, and Tyrion was right. Then, though, the last episode, we see Tyrion rat Varys out, which he should have done. I want to make that clear. He should have done. That was the right decision. Yep. But nonetheless... He supported his queen. Yes. He should have. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but... <sighs> You know, we also just see him then have to now suffer with the consequences of now both of his siblings are dead. Uh, his his house is essentially wiped off the map. Now, Eric, I do want to just, I guess, touch on from the beginning. You know, he, he's the dwarf, but he always – he tells John. In the second episode, I believe, he says, a mind needs books like a sword needs a whetstone. Right, with that idea of I need to stay sharp. I need to stay sharp. I need to stay on my feet. We've seen Tyrion then struggle repeatedly through the past two seasons. And then this episode, we we do get a bizarre scene, which I like. But Tyrion's told, if you make one more mistake, you're done. Like, that's it. And then he goes and frees Jaime. Man, can you give me just some sort of insight on that? Because that didn't make any sense. Well, I can understand... Here's, I can understand it from Danny because... She's lost, at this point, uh, let's just rattle off. We noticed how before, I think we've agreed that before this, she, we'll talk about Danny later, of course, but before this, she was pretty confident and she had her, you know, her moments of just cruelty, but she was always, always showed mercy. But in the moments with her advisors, she was willing to listen to advice and she was able to be reined in by them. I mean, we're talking like Jorah Mormon. Yep. Missandei was a comfort to her. Grey Worm was somebody who just gave, not wise counsel, but you know he was going to say something honest. Um, even Dario, her lover, kind Barristan. of grounded. Yep. Um, yeah, Barristan, uh, yeah, yeah, Barristan the Bold. And even Tyrion, she was kind of wary of, but with everybody else, Tyrion was a good addition. But Tyrion and Danny on her own, they don't go well together. I mean, Tyrion's kind of like, he's kind of like if you took away Kyrie Irving and made him in the spotlight, how well has he really done leading the ship, leading her? Not very well. But in all seriousness, it's I don't blame Daenerys for her decisions on with Tyrion and, and, and what he's done because she's right. He's made a lot of mistakes, and the showrunners have had him lose constantly. Now, yes. So but the thing with Jamie, here's the thing with Jamie. I will say that uh, it, it, it's almost reminding me how, uh, like, earlier, was it FF season four, mm-hmm. when Tyrion is, uh, Tyrion's in chains, and, uh, he, like, he's on trial for killing Joffrey, and Jamie frees him, just knowing that Tyrion's going to do something crazy, and then Tyrion goes and kills Tywin. Uh, it's kind of like, I think it, to some extent, Jamie's really all he has left. And so, I mean, I can, I can certainly see why he goes and and frees Jamie. He owes him that. Yes, his brother. And um, I, I, I do want to talk yeah. on that scene a little bit more, but more just like Tyrion. She just told you that if you have any more mistakes, you're done. You're out. Like she's not messing around. She just burnt Varys. Come on, man. Be smarter. Like his character is just taking such a hit by the writing. Uh, basically, they've handicapped. Tyrion's IQ. 
that way to make sure Danny made dumb decisions. And then we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. Well, uh, we're kind of jumping to her. Sticking on Tyrion, though, I want to point the, uh, to the best scene, I thought, of this episode, which is him and Jamie talking. And it's their last exchange. And I love this line of dialogue. It's Tyrion tells Jamie, if it wasn't for you, I never would have survived my childhood. Uh, and yeah. you know, Jamie says, you know, you would have survived. You would have been fine. And he's like, no, I wouldn't have. You're the only one who wouldn't treat me like a monster. And you were all I had. And they, they embrace. Yeah. And it's it's so sad. And these characters have been through so much. Even the first episode, Tyrion's in a brothel and Jamie walks in and he's really happy to see him. Uh we get yeah. that. I mean, remember in, he's up in the Eyrie and he's or Eerie and he says, uh, you know, I choose trial by combat and I choose my brother. So yeah. let him know. Like, nope, yeah. can't do that. Right. And he's like, well, then this isn't fair. Uh, however, I do like that they were able to have that embrace. And then after this, so then we hear Tyrion talk about Chekhov's bells, right? Once they ring yep. the bells, it's surrender. Once they ring the bells, it's surrender. Once they ring the bells, it's surrender. Well, when Danny chooses to go her own path, we see the horror on his face where he's walking through and sees all the people dead. And he realizes, oh, no, like, what have I done? Right? Like, yeah. what have I unleashed on this world? And, and you know he takes this personally and is probably very upset and very disheartened. And it's a tough look for what was once just an incredibly well-written character uh, to now be on this side of history. So. Yeah. It's a shame, too, because talking about Tyrion's IQ, you know that he, like he, like Barrett, he really just wants, he believes that he is smart enough to, uh, to figure out who the best ruler should be and then support that ruler. So you know, yeah, you know that it just eats away at his insides that, uh, you know, that with the horror that he picked, yeah. he may have picked the wrong person. No, exactly. Uh, very, I mean, very much so. Is that that is probably his biggest fear right now? Is I think I chose poorly, uh, to quote from Indiana Jones. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Tyrion now has to has one more. There's one more episode left. We'll talk, I guess, on predictions more about how we think he'll fare in the final episode. But uh, no, you know, he has to deal with this reality that he now has brought the woman over who has burned King's Landing to the ground. And now it's on his conscience. Where And Varys, Varys told him in the beginning, I hope, I hope this is the right decision. Because you know Varys wants it to be the right decision. And you know Tyrion wants it to be the right decision. And it turns out it's not, so... Uh, jump into the yep. final Lannister. Uh, Jamie, wow. We have so much to say about Jamie. Eric, why don't you just jump right in? Well, for those of you uh, who want the quick recap of the Kingslayer, you may have forgotten, he's the one who originally dealt the blow to, uh, you know, to, to the last Targaryen king um, and really kind of ended that last great war uh, and just, he, if there's anybody who's taken more of a, you know, undergone more character change over the course of the show, uh, point him out to me because a few people have changed as much as Jamie Lannister. I mean, just going from kind of like the like 
I don't know, the, the, the swagger filled, uh, not drunkard, if you will, but just the, I mean, he's just starting off braggadocious, the long hair, the good looks, the, mm-hmm. you know, great time in battle. Um, I mean, he just doesn't care so much that, you know, he sleeps with his sister and is in love with her. And um, it, it's wild to see how he goes from, you know, the peak of his power to prisoner to losing his hand and kind of wondering, well, who am I anymore? And having to have others really help him rebuild and figure out who is he, if not a swordsman. Yes. And and I think I think a lot of us can agree it was kind of cool and sweet in a way that he and Brienne got together. You know, once, uh, you know, captives and prisoners and uh, then captors kind of for each other at different times uh, that eventually fell in love and it was kind of sweet and it showed we thought that he was now finally a changed person and then inexplicably they decided to make him I don't know if he lied to Brienne or not but say that he was truly and has always been a hateful person I don't know it's sad like, he knows Cersei's a terrible person, but it's it's almost, if you've ever heard of Stockholm Syndrome, it's as though, he, I mean, he knows, or, or we were talking like an alcoholic going back to, going back to the bottle. Mm-hmm. He knows, he knows Cersei's terrible and that she's an awful person, but if for whatever reason he feels he's tied at the hip and he ever, like he says, we came in this world together, we should go out together. Whatever reason, that's how he wants to go. Yeah, I. It felt tough to. It, it felt very difficult to uh, see that happen. Just just watching it, and you know, even Tyrion sets up a boat for him. He says, you know, there's a dinghy. Just just get out of here, right? And now, in all fairness, yeah. I want to also make fun of Tyrion here. Tyrion, Daenerys would have easily murdered you right away because you will have let the queen escape. And on top of it, start rebuilding a rebellion against you. Like, come on, man. Don't, I mean, come on. Be a little smarter. Anyway, Jamie is a very tragic character now. Uh, it's one of those character arcs where I thought the whole show came down to, you know, if Jamie then goes from the kid that, or the guy who pushed the child out the window for Cersei, for love, for, you know, his family. And now it ends with him on a bit of the other side of the aisle where it's, okay, uh, I'm with Brienne. I've decided to choose the other side. You know, I, I don't want to go back to Cersei. She's just, you know, she's a murderer. I want to be now in, with these people and fight for the light, right? I want to fight for the living, as he says in episode two. Well, all of a sudden, that character you know, arc is, is done because... He goes right back to the person that, like you said, he's addicted to. Why, why, why would we have done this? His whole redemptive arc now is trashed. Basically, the show came down to nature versus nurture, right? And, and it seems like it's about nature, not about how you grow up, who you grow up as. It's just about, well, you're born this way. You know, Danny's born a Targaryen. That's what, you know, fire and blood. Jamie's born loving her. He doesn't make any choice. It's just very unfortunate that the choices he made throughout the series, it turns out, are irrelevant because he needs to go back to the one woman he's always been with. So, Right. And 
and you also have along those lines. I mean, he yeah, even with it, it makes his duel with Euron at the end. Uh, if it if it were that he had been you know fighting to get past Euron, and then he had been the one to stab her in the stomach and then kill her, that would have been cool. But instead, it okay. He beat somehow managed to beat up a rogue, uh, knock off Jack Sparrow, who, I don't know, had a little too much to drink that day, just to be with, yeah, a crazy woman. Um, and, yeah, just to totally throw away any character development that he had to begin with. Um, but I will, it's, I will say, we were talking before about Arya and the Hound. I think some of these kind of, like, Jamie's character arc kind of, and a redemptive story, not living up to what we thought it would, I think it paints a nice contrast in a way to Arya and the Hound and how they're one of the few, the few people who actually did grow. Very much so. Very much so. Um, and I know we'll, t- we'll touch on them in just a minute, uh, but I do just want to kind of end it with Jamie. Of You know, Eric, you said a good in the show there's a great line where he says I, I'm nothing without my sword hand and it's like no you're you're still Jamie Lannister and it's about him yep. rediscovering now who he is outside of it and the books do a good job of showing his growth his development and for him just to go right back into the arms of the person who you know, murdered his child murdered a lot of the city that he tried to protect and in the line in the show he says a line of you know, like, I don't care about the innocent lives. Well, my man, that's why you stabbed the Mad King. So if you don't right. care about innocent lives, like, what what, have you, what are you doing? Well, he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be, would not be called the Kingslayer then if he didn't care about innocent lives. Exactly. Man, exactly. So, frustrating beyond belief. I know a lot of people are frustrated with that arc, and I don't blame them, because... It's difficult seeing someone that you really like turn a corner for good, you believe. Cersei sends as an assassin after him, once again, sends an assassin to kill him. And he's okay with all that. I don't know. I can't. Yep. Can't really buy that. So uh, let's go ahead, though. I like where you're transitioning. Arya. Arya has a fascinating, fascinating run here where she's in... You know, basically survival mode from the end of season one. Um, Pretty much. I mean, every every day is just survive in advance, survive in advance, and she has thrived in that environment through season four. Ends up at a really bad internship. We always like to joke about in season five and six. <laughs> but she's had a great run this season, man. Like she killed Littlefinger at the end of last season. She killed the Night King. Then she's on her way to kill Cersei. Great. This episode, I thought, was really great at showing Arya on the ground. Arya was the audience avatar viewing everything from the perspective of the patrons and the citizens of King's Landing. Uh, so we see the Hound talk to her, and the Hound basically says, look at me. You know, This is what happens to you when all you want is revenge. And Arya essentially doesn't go on her mission to kill Cersei. She says, no, I'm going to turn back because I have more to live for than just revenge here. And then she says, you know, Sandor, thank you. And then that's it. Now, Eric, we see her go through the streets of King's Landing. 
And when she's running through the different areas, I, I told you what it reminded me of again is when she was out of the Red Keep in season one and she's running around killing pigeons looking like a peasant trying to essentially avoid capture by the Lannisters when Ned was put in jail. That's what this reminded me of again is her running around and avoiding everything. And then she tries to kind of go out and, you know, go out and save people and then they end up dying. And it felt like Arya, not as a character, but with this situation around her, she was back in a fight or flight mode where she's just running around trying to save, stay alive. And it felt like when she was a child, not when she's a faceless man. Uh, how did you feel when you saw her running through there and, you know, trying to just stay alive? That, well, that's a good that's a good point about uh, how well how she had to behave in the end of season one and two. What it made me think of is the fact that she for the for, through seasons one through five and even six, she just got stronger every season, really every episode. Mm-hmm. She got a little bit wiser. She understood things a little bit more. Even Tywin Lannister in season two recognized that she was different and that she was savvy. Yes, and. Really, since she got back to Westeros, uh, I mean, great. She appears and she kills Walder Frey. Awesome. Just, just total total boss moment. But since then, since she's become more of a Stark, it's like she's lost a bit of her assassin ways. And I don't know. I could, the thing with Arya running through the rubble is that, and I agree with that, it made her look like a little kid again. However, I... I can kind of get on board with what the writers were saying, as if just to paint a picture of, well, she was going all in with the Hound, confident, going in, she's getting revenge. Remember, she's the one who had that list, then repeated names every night while she was with uh, the, the the band of brothers and while she was in being held captive. Um, she's saying night, the, uh, the names every night. And when she, she was with the Hound. Killed. Yeah. And with the Hound, yes. And she would say the hound's name too, and there she is going to, you know, fight with the hound. Um, it paints this picture of her. I think, if anything else, she hasn't really thought about too much else other than revenge in a long time. And I think she got so the the directors they talked about after the show or after the show and the inside the episode about how by that point Arya and the hounds were. The Red Keep is so far, like spatially, is so far mm-hmm. inside the city that it's just going to take a long time to get out. So that was the part I was kind of leaning on of, yeah, she's kind of free now to be like, okay, well, now what do I do? But I, I could, so I could see that from the writer's standpoint of she would have seemed cooler if at the very end she killed one of them and then died gloriously. Yes. But I think it's probably just a function of, well, she got in so deep thinking she had to get revenge, and now she's free, but she kind of has to deal with this. Like, her running through the rubble is like her coming up out of the hole she's made for herself. herself. That's the way I saw it. Yes, agreed. I like that a lot. Uh, Yeah. I mean, and then with Arya, you know, we we also kind of see a bit of, you know, a, a bit of... Like, this war isn't really now her territory. You know, as a faceless man, it's, you know, you said sneaking around. I liked how in, through season six, she 
became more faceless man. And then season seven, we, we kind of see a differentiation from that where she keeps all of her sneaking around is pretty, pretty open in the middle of the day. Littlefinger's easily able to track her. Uh, season eight, we get that a little bit, but she's not really an assassin. It seems more of like she's a skilled trained warrior. And, and I am curious, I guess, what they end up doing with her because when the episode ends, we actually ends with her riding off on the horse. We now get the impression from her with all the blood on her face, which I thought was awesome, the way they did that, and you know, the rubble in her hair. We see her riding away, and then next episode we have a brief glimpse of her looking up at Daenerys. Do you think she's added Daenerys to her name, to her list, and is she... Like, do you think there's a potential? I guess we won't say for certain, but is there a potential for her to end up delivering a kill blow? Well, in previous seasons, I would say, of course, there's an, there's uh, there's a possibility for anything. This is Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. but I think I think now Game of Thrones has pinned themselves up against a wall where they can't reasonably have Arya be the one to kill Danny. That that wouldn't make sense. There's too many other people who would make more logical sense. John, maybe Grey Worm in a role reversal. Yep. Uh, shoot, maybe the dragon somehow disobeys Danny and John commands Drogon to kill her. Yes. It's very unlikely. But I, I don't know. At this point, I think Arya's done what she need, what she has been, what she has been there all along to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be more surprised if she has a pivotal role in this battle, honestly, then if she just rides that horse and finds Nymeria in the woods somewhere and maybe makes a token appearance in Winterfell, but I wouldn't be surprised also if this was the last we saw of Arya. I know that she will appear in the end and there has been footage of her, but if I hadn't seen a preview of the next episode, that would be my thought with Arya. She could ride off and... That could be it. And say I'm done. Like, I'm going, yes. Then, especially with what the Hound told her, 100% agree where she says, I'm going to go live my life. Or maybe go back and talk to Gendry and say, hey, I might take you up on that offer because I really like you. And, you know, let's just make this work. I just want to be happy. Uh, so, right. interesting uh, interesting perspective there. But, Arya, we have one episode left. We'll see how that all ends. And, and I'm also curious about what they might do there. So, uh, let's move on. Uh, why don't you tackle? So we have two characters left we really want to talk about. Uh, John, Eric, man, this was a tough episode for John. Really tough break. Tough break for the Prince was promised. Um, you know, we so obviously John portrayed as a bastard. Doesn't really have a home, but Ned Stark loves him, and Arya loves him, and Rob loves him. But that's that's it. He's just bastard, bastard, bastard. That's it. But somehow, in the Night's Watch, he finds favor with people. They like him. The wildlings, they find favor with them, and they like him. He dies, but people still like him. The North love him. Mm-hmm. Um, and here he is. He's just, I mean, you, like you said, he's in an awful position because he's like his, uh, not his biological father, as we know, clearly, but by his, for all intents and purposes, his father, Ned Stark, He's always been an honest person. He truly believes in Danny. He's been like like Tyrion. All he wants is for the good of the realm. Uh, he just wants. I think he really would just be happy riding with ghosts through the north, just 
you know, raising sons and having a wife and doing all the family things. And he just, he has been convinced that Danny is the one to get him there. Um, and it'd be treason for him to take over, but it's just pretty terrible for him to just imagine having to watch the person you love become a monster and realize that you put your faith and trust in the wrong person. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, that's got to be heartbreaking. It just has to be. And yeah, and I mean, it, in a way, it's, and it's different from, it's very different from, like, Cersei watching uh, Joffrey become a monster in the way that, you know, parents love their, they love their kids unconditionally, or at least they, you know, should. But with John, it, it's very different with, like, a romantic partner because you actively choose to, I mean, most of the time people choose to have a kid. But in this case, he actively chose to love Danny. He fell in love, and he has pledged his service over and over again, and he's convinced his family, like you said before, he convinced his family that Danny is a person to be trusted. Right, and that that's what's more concerning is he's stuck up for all the time, and I love the line that he delivers to her where he says, you know, you're my queen, and, and she takes offense to it. Is that all I am? What more do you want? You know, he's he's clearly right. going through. It's like, do you want? It's like, okay, so do you, like, Danny? Do you want to sleep with your nephew? Right. Apparently, and, and exactly. At the same time, if you're John, I think it's okay to. Why wouldn't you guys have talked at some point and just said, "Hey, you know, there's a lot been going on. It's been it's been a really kind of hectic few weeks in my head. I need to clear my own thoughts, right? Like, I don't I don't know what to do with all this information." You know, I, I want to just, let's just kind of do this king and lord thing right now, right? Or queen and lord thing. But, you know, let's figure out maybe, a, you know, take a few few months and just relax and then figure out what we want to do, how we want to approach our relationship. And I know I they, we can't really see that. But at the same time, you know, John definitely is dealing with some of these issues where he's like, I, I can't. Like, we're related. Um, but, yeah, so. Yeah. They don't do that in the north. Like, a, who was it? Davos? There, Davos Varys. Said, Varys said it. One of previous, oh, Varys said it. Yep. Yeah, the north doesn't take lightly, lightly to incest. Yeah, he, he basically says, like, uh, Tyrion's like, well, they can get married. And he's like, well, it's not, you know, <laughs> no offense, but John's not used to that. You know, like, that that's not what John is used to. He's not used to marrying his aunt. So, probably not a great idea here, but nice try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, exactly, right? Exactly. So, um, but yeah, man, I, I really, I did enjoy a lot of what we saw there with John and just the, the fear on his face where, I mean, he's part of the Night's Watch and the Night's Watch oath is we, you know, we guard the realms of men, uh, you know, that that's their their mantra, and yeah, he now has put someone on the throne, and she'll have the title protector of the realm. What she did was not protecting, and and now he has to internally decide what he wants to do with this information and how he wants to process it. Because the John that we've known for the past seven seasons. Uh, is not going to be happy about this. Now, in all fairness, the Danny we've known for the past seven seasons probably wouldn't have done this. We'll get to that in just a second. But yeah, uh, with John, I do also want to point one one aspect out here 
um, if that's all right. I know this is more about Daenerys than it's about Jon, okay? But Jon tells her last season, he says, I never thought that dragons would exist again. No one did. The people who follow you uh, know that you made something impossible happen. Maybe that helps them believe that you can do other impossible things. You know, and he just lists build a different world, you know, X, Y, Z, right? Then he ends with this backbreaker. But if you use your dragons to melt castles and burn cities, you're not different. You're just more of the same. Well, John just saw more of the same. Yep. And I'm sure that's very difficult for him because he definitely did not want this to happen. He just wanted to fall in love with her. Like you said, maybe go back north, right? Keep it easy. But now it's looking to be... It's looking to be different, and we'll see kind of how it plays out. But do you want to just jump right in now to Daenerys while we're on the topic? Let's do it. All right, Eric. There is a lot, lot, lot to discuss with this. Uh, Why don't we just start off, first and foremost, this was a strange episode, and a a lot happened with Danny that we... Well, first off, and at least I will say, I disagree with. Uh, you know, this character, I've seen a lot of people say, hey, Daenerys, would, you know, and it's been breadcrumbed out throughout the series. She does crazy things. And we both have agreed with that. Yes. she Has she burned the masters? Yes. Has she made some questionable decisions? Yes. Guess what? All the people that she hurt, killed, etc., they all in her mind deserved it because they were committing some sort of crime. She never, ever, ever is killed innocent. And in this episode, we see her break and literally murder hundreds of thousands of people just because they're there. Uh, what were your just initial thoughts? And I guess what do you think about this turn for you know, Mother of Dragons, Breaker of Chains, etc., etc.? Well, you're totally right on the sense, of, the sense of justice. I mean, the whole point was that of why she was more fit to rule than her brother Varys was that he said, as she noted in the beginning, that he was cruel. That yes. he would, like he said to her, I would murder a thousand. I would, well, he said that he would let her be raised by thousands of men in order to have the throne. But the fact that she recognized that she would be a better ruler, and she did prove it for many seasons. I mean, she, like, when she sacked Young Kai. Granted, she burned all the masters, but it was only because they stayed slave children at every milepost all the way up to the city. Right, and then, like, uh, same thing with Marine. Know, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And she stayed in Marine a bit because she needed to learn how to rule. Right. You know? And, and the, Dos- the Dothraki, they only followed her across the sea, which they thought was the dead sea, effectively, because they believed in her and they trusted her. The slaves followed her because, well, she freed them. She gave them the choice. The Unsullied, she freed them, and she gave them the choice of following or not. But, you know, and I think, and that's why all of her advisors, uh, Barristan, Jorah, Masandi, Grey Worm, Tyrion, Dario, you know, all of them, uh, they, they saw that side of her. They saw the ruthless side, but also the side that showed mercy, and they believed in her. Well, now... That's just gone out the window, and she's like, uh, like you pointed out in that quote. She, I mean, she's become the very thing 
that Robert's rebellion was supposed to kill initially. You well, know, and the, remember, she mad- she said last. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, but with the Mad King, exactly. Remember last season, yeah. she says, "I'm not here to be Queen of the Ashes." I mean, well, what do you call this? Right. I mean, you know, what, what do you call it? Like, I mean, the after fireworks. I mean, no, it's just. And, and I've posited this theory. I'll just throw it out to everyone. Guys, so my I have something slightly different. I think the episode would have been more interesting is if basically she flambays all the Lannisters and all the Lannister armies, even though they drop their weapons, and she says, it doesn't matter. Like, I need to just squash this rebellion. Now, you know, maybe if she does that and she brutally kills Tyrion, Cersei, Jaime, with John watching, kind of thinking, well, this is aggressive, and then it gives us now at least a moral quandary. Right now, we have nothing. We just know, oh, she's a brutal, brutal murderer. And she's a dictator. She's a tyrant that she never wanted to be. I mean, her line one episode ago was, my destiny is to destroy tyrants. Well, what what did you just do? I, I don't get the writing. Yeah. I don't like the decision to do any of that. Uh, but here we are. So, you know, she's done a bit of a 180. Uh, her com- her killing Varys I thought was appropriate, and I I don't I agree with that because you know he he was a traitor. So I'm okay. I understand that. However, you know why on earth would you go and just kill hundreds of thousands of innocent people? You know, running away from you. I we were talking. You'd be better off if you take out Cersei alone and then have all the subjects out there and just say. I'm not here to be queen of the ashes. You know, I'm here to rule and to be a better leader than all those before. People respond to that. But, you know, inside, right. the, inside the episode, they're like, oh, well, she sees the Red Keep and remembers how much she lost. What? That doesn't make any sense. The bells are ringing. It's not like Cersei said the bells weren't ringing. If they don't ring the bells, fine. And then she does it. It's bad, but it's also like, this is what you want, Cersei. You've asked for this. Right. Yeah, that would have made more sense if the bells had never, that's what I thought was going to happen, that they would never actually ring the bells, and that Cersei would rather die in the ashes than surrender. Yes, agreed. Definitely. Like, burn down the Red Keep and the bells still don't go off, and then Dany starts losing her mind. I would have been okay with that, where she's like, fine, you know what, I'm going to kill all of you. But this was, no, we're all going to surrender, like the Lannister army, we're all dropping our weapons, we're done. Like, you're going to win. Uh, yeah. yeah, very strange character choice, and now it leads us to, to me, it feels like a rushed conclusion. With now she's the Mad Queen, even though you know two episodes, three episodes prior, she, she wasn't really close to that. You know, was she a little nervous? Yes. Was she a bit ruthless? Yes. And you know, was she a bit more aggressive with John, Sansa, and everyone? Like, this is my destiny. This is my throne. Yes. But she's never been, as you said, cruel. She was never cruel to children. I mean, hell, she locked up two dragons just because one innocent child died in season four. Right. Forgotten fact. And also, to your point talking about dragons, she always... You could almost... You could say she's like Cersei in this and that at the end of the day, she cared about her children. Well, the slaves and her people, she considered like her children. They you called her... These people yes, they called mother. her Lisa. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you would think that, well, if she wants to come to Westeros and rule, that these maybe what she's realized is that she's like, well, these are never going to be my people, so I don't care. Maybe that's her thought. But at the same time, what we think about, I think what we've been told all along is, 
after after you had uh, I forget the name of the tower, but where Danny has to go and go through a series of mazes with the magician to yes. free her dragon, right? And it, you see the scene of her in like the ashes that kind of looks like the ashes of at the end of this past season, where you see like the Iron Throne, and she turns away from it and goes to her dragon. You kind of have to wonder. How can Danny reasonably give up her throne at this point? No, I mean no, man. Like, there's. I have a feeling this next episode is going to be very strange. I mean, I, the fact that we have one episode left is very disappointing because there's a lot left to discuss and break down. And you know, this season they haven't really operated on a sensible style. Everything just kind of gets rushed. So, is what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna be upset when Game of Thrones is done. However, I think it opens the door up, though, for our boy George R. R. Martin to finish the books and do a great job and give us the story we want. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot in there with Danny that I think he that could be better explained in a book too, like or really gone into, like diving into the psychology of what it's like when you've lost all of your advisors and you've gone crazy, or. Uh, you know, which yes. really the only representation of that we get is with Grey Worm, who's just become her, you know, her personal soldier assassin. Um, or talking about the fact that if, if anybody caught this, uh, about as a little more obvious than that Starbucks cup, <laughs> episode four, uh, it was the fact that there were little glimpses of wildfire popping up. Right. In the in the, the flames. I mean, maybe that was an accident too, but I don't think so. No. I think it's it was just to show some hint of oh, this is yep, this is the Mad King. This isn't Danny, the the, the queen, the the mother queen conqueror. She's she's another Mad King. Exactly. Um, it'd be cool to. It'd be cool to see that illustrated in the book in more detail as well. Certainly, and and what I am, I, I guess we'll end right before we go to like scoreboard. Uh, I do just want to emphasize where John has a look where he, he then turns to Davos and is when she starts attacking and they both have this shared look of concern and oh my goodness what's going on this isn't what we yeah. signed up for and then John looks to Grey Worm and Grey Worm looks back at him and Grey Worm just starts killing and it feels very much like okay these are Daenerys supporters and now these are John's supporters right like they're pitted against each other uh, and hell I mean I'm not Trying to get crazy, but I I can imagine a place where Daenerys tries to kill Jon next episode because he's a threat to her throne. Oh, I think definitely. Yeah. So I think she'll, and I think at, at all in the name of she would, you know, she'd kill if she had it her way, she'd kill Jon first and then go after Sansa. Right. Exactly. It, very much so. Uh, Eric, let's fast forward here now. Just I know we'll we'll talk about predictions in a second, but. Just to double check and backtrack, we don't really have any winners and losers this week because the winner is Danny, the loser's Danny, and everyone that lives in King's Landing. So, not a whole lot really to discuss yep. there. Uh, but we do want to look back at the scoreboard last week and weeks prior. So, me and you both have picked people that are going to survive. So, we have Sansa for you, John for me. Uh, right now, we're both looking actually pretty good. You look are looking much better than I am, as we just sent to that. So, congrats. Death, though. I've, I've been Grey Worm. I've been, guys, I've been so hell-bent on Grey Worm dying because he came out and was like, we're going to go on a boat after all this is over. Man, there's no way my boy can survive when you say that. Maybe he does. I don't know. But, Eric, you look like you're in pretty good position there with Tormund 
Um, or sorry, in bad position, my fault. Because Tormund, I don't think, is going to die. I don't see that happening. Grey Worm, maybe. Tormund, definitely not. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm doing, I'm sitting pretty well, actually, with these. But my other one that I will give a personal pat on the back to, sorry, yeah. is was just saying, this wasn't a huge prediction, really, to make, but just the fact that Cersei was going to be dead. You did. Uh, at, the end, at the end of this episode. I picked that. However, I was wildly incorrect in how I thought that she would die. I originally thought that Arya was going to be stopped by the mountain, and then the Hound of the Mountain would fight, which we all knew was going to happen. I picked that the Hound would lose that fight, and with Arya uh, eventually, and yeah, and then I thought that Arya would then eventually, uh, you know, not get there, and Cersei would be killed by Jaime. Uh, Obviously, we were in Instead, that was wrong, and Cersei and Jamie just kind of quietly crumble. But last week, we were debating, is it Arya or Jamie that are going to kill her? And it turned out right. it was a pile of bricks, so we're a little off. <laughs> just now a little well. off. Uh, all right, but good job with that. I picked Nymeria to come out and have, like, a big bunch of, like, you know, great uh, yep. dire wolves and everything attacking in King's Landing. Because I thought it was going to be more of a fair fight. Man, the, why did they bring Nymeria up for three minutes in Season 7 if they weren't going to show her ever again? I mean, they might show her in the finale, but this has been just not a, not a huge fan of this season. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> like, I don't know. I thought that'd be cool. I thought it'd be really awesome to see. And at least maybe Nymeria showing back up with Arya instead of the horse. But, oh well, I stand corrected. Uh, let's go ahead, Eric, and just ask. So next week, it's the Game of Thrones finale. Man, as someone who gets really invested in shows, uh, you know, I love Breaking Bad. I just, I love a lot of these great stories. I'm sad to see it end, but I also am not as emotionally wound up, I think, as I was previously. Um, so. Yeah, before the, before the season, I think we, we were hyped, all jazz, and I think we, we still are. Uh, but more just well, this will be a good this will be a good end to to an overall a very good show and yes. one that's provided us with a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of thought provoking uh, moments, uh, great character developments for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, just o- overall a very good story, one that is I will say both enriched our lives and also made us have to cover our eyes by what's being shown on the screen. <laughs> well, but, uh, so final prediction next week. What do you just, uh, I mean, we, we both have agreed. I think Daenerys is going to be killed um, based on just what we saw this episode. And I think we, that's an easy prediction. What do you foresee, though, for our characters? How, you know, wh- how do you think this all ends? Do you see John on the throne? Do you see you know Sansa on the throne? Is there no throne? What are your thoughts? Well, I always wanted all along. I always wanted there to just be complete carnage, which we did, and then have Peter Baelish amongst amid uh, arriving <laughs> the ashes sit on the throne. Since I can't have it my way, I think we're going to have Danny. She's the conqueror. Uh, she's like. Uh, What's the uh, the ruler who takes over at the end of the Hunger Games? I forget. I, I forget that name. The President Coin. There you go. 
Yeah, whatever yeah. her name is, where she gets uh, shot in the air by Katniss. I think Danny's taking that role. Um, she's like in charge, like the tyrant. And then Dan, uh, John, I think what he's going to do, he's going to take the North, whoever's still loyal to him, turn around. And I think he's going to demand a trial by combat. And he's going to step in one-on-one, and you're going to see John and Grey Worm who's going to fight for Danny, and you're going to see, well, what I really want to see is a duel between the two of them. And then John ultimately having to kill Danny. Okay. That'd be really cool. Um, I'm going to go with my prediction. All right. This is, I'm also cheating a little bit because I looked at Vegas odds and where people are on the throne. Brand right now is a one-to-one bet on the throne. So someone knows something. Okay. Tyrion in season in oh, episode God. four. I know I agree with you hundred percent here. But Tyrion in episode four kept saying, "We need someone that doesn't want to be on the throne." Right? That's what we're looking for. Well, guess who doesn't want anything? Bran. I don't think he ends up on the throne. But what I because if he does, that be I think it'd be a terrible ending. However, what would I think be interesting is John kills Daenerys. There, her armies just go right. They're done. And then he decides to go back north, where he belongs. He decides to go to Winterfell, go back to the Wall, maybe rebuild it. And then John takes over his throne, but the last act he makes is, you know, as, as being in charge of the throne, he says, I'm going to basically appoint a five-person council to rule the Seven Kingdoms. And he appoints, you know, Sansa, Bran, Davos, Tyrion, if he's still alive, uh, and then maybe the Prince of Dorne. Uh, I'm sure I heard that they they might be coming into this. Who knows? We'll see. But that way, you well, maybe put maybe put Gendry in that too. Oh, get true. So maybe more, maybe seven, and just add Gendry and then maybe someone else. But yeah, sure. And uh, maybe probably Yara too. Yara actually, it'd be perfect. So seven. There you go. I like that. So seven people to rule the seven kingdoms, and each of them helps contribute to the world. And he basically just says, "Melt down the Iron Throne." Like I'm done. My watch is ended. Yep. And he goes north, and yep. he just lives out the rest of his life. And it's going to be a sad ending for him, but still, you know, one in which I think I'd be satisfied. Uh, but, I mean, Eric, I like yours better. I like your trial by combat idea. That'd be awesome. I'm all in. Well, it'd be awesome, it'd be awesome to see that what we've, I've been dying to see is just some another epic sword fight. Yeah. Like, I want, John is supposed to be a master swordsman. Well, Grey Worm is pretty darn powerful as well, and he's a man who's lost everything, so he's willing to do anything. John is now fighting for his family and for the whole nation. I don't know. That's yeah. what I want. And, and I think we can both agree on this. I know it's a little different, but and not to get too far ahead. However, we agree that <laughs> Grey Worm is now in, with Danny wholeheartedly. I think Daenerys is going to come back and essentially announce that she's, you know, planning the murder of Sansa, like she's wanted, and planning the murder of Jon, because they're both threats to the Iron Throne. And I think that's when that sends him over the edge, and he's like, "I have to do this because she can't kill my family." Yeah, she probably puts. I think she, you're right. She probably uh, decides not to put Arya on that list. Because because Arya kills the Night King. But you're right, Sansa's definitely public enemy number one for her. Yes, 
hundred percent. Not that could actually also push John over the edge. Is she goes to kill him, right? And he John says no. Like you aren't killing Sansa. Like I love my family, right. and family's not the name that you're given, right? It, it's who you grew up with and, and that kind of mentality. So, uh, but yeah, man, we'll see. This has been really, really cool. I'm really excited to see how this proceeds forward, but man, uh, this is a very, very bizarre final season and I didn't really expect it to be as controversial. I think people were always going to disagree, but I, I did kind of expect it to go a different way. Um, so. Same. Yeah, but thank you so much for joining us uh, as always, Eric. Um, thank you, listeners, for keeping tuned with all our Game of Thrones content. Man, one more episode left. This is sad. Uh, we're going to try to do a post-episode reaction show. Uh, just It won't be long. I'm planning just a quick like 30-minute, you know, and then another one where we can break everything down. Uh, but yeah, guys, thank you for listening. Wow, what a journey. One episode left. But if, if you're interested in very good storytelling – Read the books. I know they're long, but read the books. Me and Eric both read them. They're very good. And honestly, I think they're going to be more fulfilling than what we've seen as long as George can finish them. Come on, George. Just keep writing. Just keep writing, George. So, please, uh, oh, please. Keep writing. Exactly. So, Eric, anything else you want to comment on? You know, uh, not, no, just thank you all for joining us and for, uh, yeah, listening as we chronicle the last story to Game of Thrones. It's been a ride. Yep. Uh, Bill Simmons always says that Game of Thrones is the last piece of monoculture where we all watch it and consume it together. And I am nervous because I think that might there might be some truth to that. Um, however, there are spinoffs coming up. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, well, Eric, thank you as always. Thank you, audience and listeners. We appreciate it. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. And um, until next time.